Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where where I mess up the beginning line right from the very beginning as I try to talk about what I talk about every single week. can you hear me? I can hear you. How's the level? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Aaron. Got me right off the bat. I don't even have to do the intro this week. (laughs) Because, yes, this week we're going to discuss the song, How's the Level, off from the the tape Buck Naked. I, w- I would have asked you, Aaron, but it was very obvious this week what, what it was off from. I mean... <laughs> yeah, was... you, I kind of had to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this week, yes, we're discussing the last song off the Buck Naked tape, which for people who don't know, I'm going to break down real quick what the Buck Naked tape is. Uh, it was the first tape made by the Bare Naked Ladies. It was recorded on a four-track recorder. The tapes were given mostly to their friends and sold by the band off the stage. Um, it was, they made it in order to get first noticed by the college radio stations. One of them was actually sold last year online in an auction for $500. Mm-hmm. So it goes well. Now that was not a first edition. So one of the things you needed to understand about this tape was there's four different editions of this tape. The first edition only had five songs on it. So the first edition, which was made in the fall of 1988, had Roadrunner, Only You, which later was called Lilac Girl, Night Photographs, Wishing Well, and then really don't know. And then the second side of that tape were mostly songs from the police's 1980 album, Zenyatta Mandata. <laughs> now, I don't know if that was Bare Naked Ladies covering the police or if that was just like, we have to fill the other side, so let's cover it with, <laughs> fill it with this other band <laughs> that we have. Well, they had a uh, Talking Head song in there too. They did, but not on the first edition of this. Oh, I got you. I was wondering what, that, what you were yeah, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know, because we never hear them covering any of the police gotcha. songs ever. And That'd I would think that would make it into their rotation if they covered it for the first side of their, their first edition, or second yeah, side right. of the first edition. But they don't. So my guess is they were just like, we're out of room, or we have all this extra space <laughs> on side two. Let's just like throw this on there, and people get an extra bonus for it. <laughs> Um, that, that was the police album they picked then, too? Not like wow. or? <laughs> this is, well, this is interesting, guys. This is a weird fact. My <laughs> band, The Second Child, when we were in college, we were playing a lot of bars and stuff. And the bar scene, I don't know if you guys know this, but in central Maine, down in, down in southern Maine and Portland, they're a little more amenable to uh, originals. But in Augusta, they just want to hear you play <laughs> stuff that they know. So... <laughs> We were all originals, and at some point, someone was like, "Maybe we should learn some covers." And we were all, you know, we were we were in college, we were going to music school, and we were all a little bit pretentious. So we're like, "All right, well, we're going to pick covers that no one even knows what they are." So, so I think it was my bass player at the time, Stu, who said, "Okay, we should play Behind My Camel," 
by the police, which is off, off that album. Mm -hmm. It's an instrumental song. It's really dark and weird and cool. And it was a lot of fun to play. But yeah, we actually played that song back in the day. So wow. I also a song from that album, Zenyatta Manda. <laughs> <laughs> That's on their demo tape. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So that I'll I'll come up with more of this later on. But so this was the song that finished off the song that we're covering tonight is the song that finished off the second, third, and fourth edition of the tape. It was not on the first edition of the Buck Naked tape. Um, we'll go into more of it later on. Let's get into this specific song. How's the level? How's the level? Okay. Aaron, <laughs> will you break down the song for us? I would love to, Tracy. <laughs> Might I add that I wish all songs were this easy for me to analyze. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break it down. Uh, How is the level was recorded at approximately 150 beats per minute. It is in the key of C major, presumably. Uh, the chords go from E minor to F to D minor to C. So assuming C major, we have three, four, two, one. Uh, there's not a lot to talk about here. Ed plays the four chords in rapid succession. I guess you could say he's playing with a sort of folk strumming pattern. Very, very... <laughs> rapidly. The strumming pattern actually reminds me a lot of a musician called Wally Pleasant. I would not be surprised if most people had not heard of Wally Pleasant, but I really like his work. It's silly and fun. I first heard him on the Dr. Demento show. must have been back in the very late 90s. So I will send you guys um, a link for Bad Haircut by Wally Pleasant if you want to listen to this at some point here. Uh, let's see if I can get to the chat. Uh, where's the chat? Not, not shaving a haircut. Bad haircut. No, bad haircut. Bad haircut. Okay. But also um, not bad hair day. By word no. no. But <laughs> I wonder. The scissors. <laughs> yeah. Weird Al also got his start on Dr. Demento. So there's the link there. As did I, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Gotta love Dr. Demento. Uh, okay, I'm going to put it in now, the chat Now, you here. said that this was easy to cover. Why was it so easy, Aaron? Well, I'm glad you asked, Tracy. Uh, the lyrics are very deep. <laughs> I, I feel as though Ed is asking us an enigmatic question. How's the level? What could it mean? Truly, it could be an unsolvable riddle. Like, Kenneth, what is the frequency, right? Who knows what he's really trying to say here? Okay, obviously, this is a sound check, and they threw it in at the end, because why not? It's a little quirky and very early BNL. I guess I kind of like it as an artifact but I'm not sure I can call it a song. <laughs> a ditty? A my analysis. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I do want to correct one thing you said. It's oh, yeah. Steve. Oh, it's Steve? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's, it's Steve like. saying, how's the level? And then he finishes it off with, okay. Okay, yeah. Well, that <laughs> actually changes the whole the, dynamic okay, of the song. That's true, yeah, because that's, that just <laughs> turns on his head. Yeah, it goes right. from a question to a statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's a philosophical dilemma. I, I think this is a really complex song. Like, not only is it upbeat, but also relaxed. And I think the lyrics are really mysterious. Like, yeah, they like ask that deep life question. How is the level, Tracy? Yeah. 
the, yeah. Level. It's really up I mean, there with Brian Wilson, I think. A lot of people ask, what is the level? Very few people ask, how is the level? <laughs> exactly. He cares about how the level's doing. <laughs> it's not 11. Just checking in. It's not 11. <laughs> yeah, they're not Spinal Tap. And, it, and, and the answer to life's question isn't 42. 42. The answer is okay. And wouldn't we all like to just be okay? Be okay. Don't panic. In these, in these days and times, wouldn't it be great just to be okay? It's true. Stephen is making a very deep judgment of, of society when he says that. He is. He is. Are you saying that he was presciently asking about the level of coronavirus infection in, in the world? He knew this was going to happen uh, I think he was talking about ago. Canada. Okay. How, 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 is the level? how is the corona level in, in, in Canada? Okay. They don't sell as much corona there. The more uh, <laughs> no, they're more nice. No, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, now, I actually thought when I heard this song that he was uh, discussing deeply and analytically the socioeconomic status of Ontario at the could time. Be. It could and, be. And, like, that, that's what I got out of this. Like, he's really looking at the, uh, you know, the issues of welfare and, and the... Uh, um, the progressiveness of the financial be, status and yeah, the UN's happiness level, happiness right, gauge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. See? How does Canada compare with Norway and Sweden? <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> okay. And honestly, that's probably okay. pretty true. Okay. That's, they're, they're doing okay. <laughs> We're doing Canada's, okay. Okay. Got that free healthcare. We're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I got, I got feels when I was listening to this of like, I think they were making references to the monkeys. Like this, the way he says, okay, okay, really has that, like the beginning of Daydream Believer. What number is this, Chip? 7A. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. Where, where he's talking <laughs> and, and Davey is asking. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And he's got that same. Listen, they're too busy singing to put anybody down. Uh, <laughs> no. Fun fact. Okay, another another Aaron's fun fact here. If you ever find yourself in Japan and you need refuge, uh, go to a 7-Eleven. The 7-Elevens in Japan are amazing. I never thought I would say 7-Eleven is amazing in the same sentence without the word not. They're not but, okay. Um, they are amazing. They're beyond okay. Okay. 7-Elevens are like, it's, it's like walking into a Narnia of convenience. It's really, really great in, in Japan. And, um, they're like one of the few places you can withdraw uh, money with an American debit card. So that's why a lot of uh, travelers flock to, to uh, 7-Eleven. But in Japan, for some reason, the 7-Eleven Corporation seems to have licensed Daydream Believer by the Monkees as their theme song. So when you walk in there, there will be one of like three or five different versions, including like a Muzak instrumental version and like a weird cover I've never heard before. But we started to notice it because we went to 7-Eleven like almost every other day when we were out there. And every time they were playing Daydream Believer, I'm like, there's a pattern here and something's going on. So funny you should bring that up that well, is a fun fact phenomenon. about the 7-eleven that there's a fun fact about the 7-eleven you mentioned narnia what you yeah. don't know is that if you go into the outback of a 7-eleven yeah. you actually appear in a 7-eleven in japan did there is know, no okay. outback really i, I didn't know did that. you know if you went through the outback of an outback steakhouse you actually go to the outback in australia 
We're blown. blown all kinds of minds today here. You didn't know when you were tuning into this podcast, you were going to learn something. That is actually how I first visited the Sydney Opera, Opera House, was behind the, the back Yeah, that was, yeah, it yeah. was like, oh, this is... Thanks, Outback. This, this is awesome. <laughs> hi, hi, Wiggles. You know. I just had to go to the bathroom, but this was a nice oh, adventure. <laughs> Ten points to Gryffindor for the Wiggles. <laughs> Well, that is one weird phenomenon that um, yeah, oh, yeah. I've always like when you talk about Japan and the fact that they play that song. That is like I'm a I'm a big um, I'm obsessed with Todd in the Shadows. He's a YouTube. Music oh, creator. I love Todd in the Shadows. Yeah, love Todd in the Shadows, yeah, and he does the one-hit Wonderlands. And he talks all the time about these bands that have such <laughs> obscurity in America. Mm. Maybe one song and they fade it out, but they're always big in Japan. And I, oh yeah, <laughs> like she, what was it, uh, Mr. Big? Mr. Big, apparently. Oh, literally, <laughs> Mr. Big in Japan. Tom Waits did a song called Big in Japan. Yeah, that's... <laughs> About that very phenomenon. They appreciate music over there. They're music lovers. I, yeah. I, love, I love that culture. Do we have anything more to say about this big song, though? This whole, the whole five so, seconds Tracy, of this song? How, how can we possibly say everything there is to say about How's the Level? I it mean, says we, it all. We could talk for hours about this. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we're best just moving on after our initial impression. So when I wrote my college thesis on this song, I mean, I went... 300 pages in the oh, great depth, yeah. and that's available. That's available out there. You could just oh, yeah. go and pull that up oh. archive.org, and you can see that. There we go. We'll put that into the liner. <laughs> yeah, put that in the link. Screen. Yeah, I really went to some some deep analysis. From that. How many pages is it? 42? Uh, no, 300 pages. I actually, 300 yeah, page. yeah. It's dissertation. 300 page the dissertation. Oh, okay. But here's what I think is happening. Like last week on Holly Joey Christmas, you we managed to stretch that song out to about 45 minutes. You're trying to do the same. <laughs> Let's see if we can top that. We have already stretched it to beyond the song. Um, it's probably a good time to disclose that we get paid at a fixed hourly rate of $0 yeah, yeah. per hour. <laughs> so the I always listen. keep you at under an hour for that reason. <laughs> Because if I keep you under an hour, you don't get paid. (laughs) That bare naked ABC's trailer out back is not going to pay for itself. (laughs) Yeah, we actually talked about that last week, Aaron, because we said last week I was official on the podcast, and I sent the trailers out there. Yeah, Yeah. Tracy. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Tracy said he did not send the trailer, but you must have. So I appreciate. (laughs) Oh yeah, I got it. I think that's where he's living. Well, you don't pay me, Tracy, so I have to sleep somewhere. <laughs> it's your COVID-19 hangout. <laughs> so that's our thoughts on this song, unless you guys have more to add on this song. but What more could we, I possibly say? We aren't the only bare naked podcast out there. So I reached out to the other what? podcasts because they, they only cover the 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 – Ones that are actually on albums, so the canonical songs. Oh, well, we don't just cover just me. canonical songs, <laughs> but yeah. it's still they talked about this song for an hour, so we're really like, <laughs> Do they really? Right now. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but guys. they did send us, <laughs> they did send us a clip of their thoughts on this song. Okay, I'm, I'm curious to hear. So that. let's listen to it. Is bad. This is the snake's uh, uh, plane of no. songs. It doesn't make any sense and shouldn't work, no. but it does, and I love it. I hate it. Fully clothed, bare naked. 
<laughs> wow, that was extremely insightful. Wow. Yeah, their analysis is actually spot on. Better than ours. <laughs> Props to you. Props. Yeah. Well clapped. I don't know how they pulled so much out of that. <laughs> so since we have so much extra time running over before I have to pull us off at 59 minutes. Yeah, he didn't um, say free time. He didn't even remind us about how we're not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the album quote unquote, as a whole. Let's talk about uh, Buck Naked. Yes, that we can do. Let's do that. Um, so let me give a little bit more feedback. There are two different versions, two different covers for this. Um, the original cover was a green cover with the faces of Stephen and Ed pasted onto pictures of Terrence Trent Darby, the writer of Wishing Well. That is a very, very rare edition of this tape. You can't find that version of this tape online you can't even find it on ebay for sale who knows how many people actually have that first version of this tape the second one has a white cover black and white photo of of steven and ed tied together looking over their shoulders at each other um it's really 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 funny and the first version of this tape credits Steven with playing the sitar and Ed with playing the tablas. Both are instruments, by the way, that are heard usually in Indian music. Obviously, that's not what they're playing in these songs. Um, and the liner note also carries the message, this is the kind of Christmas present you receive from a poverty-stricken, bare-naked lady. <laughs> so, showing their humor from the very beginning. <laughs> this tape was essential like most people i think it's just a demo it is more than just a demo this is the tape that they gave to juice to corky and the juice pigs that when sean cullen looked back on it he said listening to this tape he really liked it and especially this the cover version of wishing well is what he was his favorite track and that's what actually encouraged him to want to open have them be their opening act nice. for their tour across Canada. That tour across Canada was also when they first experienced Halifax and thus came up with their <laughs> first song Hello on City. their opening yeah. album. So Which this song, like song. this album was so utterly important. And I think it also really should be pointed out. I keep saying bare naked ladies, but it's just Stephen and Ed. This was pre-Andy, pre-Jim, pre-Tyler coming on. This is just the two of them playing. And they're playing really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I mean, and way pre-Kevin, by the way. Yeah. Well, way pre-Kevin. <laughs> but these guys had only been playing with each other for about a month when this was recorded. Like, no experience with each other at this point. And they, they come up with this. Um, if I remember correctly, October was when they first did their first gig together. This was recorded in the quote-unquote fall of that year. So somewhere within, I think, that first month to two months is when they recorded this first version to bring was, on the tour. Was that the talent show, Tracy, where they had to come up with the name? That was. Oh, okay, okay. That was their first gig? That was their first Was it just the two gig. of them with, like, some bongos and a guitar or two? Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. I love that energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
that comes through a lot on this tape, and it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting as someone who's you, you've mentioned now. I should say, Tracy, you've mentioned this album or this tape uh, demo tape several times in the past, and it's nice. It was nice for me to finally be able to hear it. Um, it's interesting to hear a lot of a more straightforward folk Roxy type sound coming from Stephen Ed. Um, mm. I'm getting a bit of Tenacious D flavor, even though this tape, this <laughs> tape predates, it, pre, it predates Tenacious D by like five years, I think, but like the same energy, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, well, in that first intro, I'm yeah. Stephen, I'm Ed, <laughs> yeah. and we are bare naked. Like yeah. it just had, I, I went back and I re-listened to the Tenacious D album because I'm like, are they are they doing something similar there? Are they are they riffing? Are the one of them the other? But there's no carryover. It's just that feel. Like you get that. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like this album isn't even particularly comedic. There are some. I mean, obviously, in if I had a million dollars and things like that, there are some comedic lines. But it's not over the top, off the wall the way Tenacious D is. But something about the their music, something about their sound, with the uh, kind of they have this like. I want to say punk rock. There obviously this is nothing really so super punk rock about the sound, but like there's a punk rock like attitude through filtered through this like folk roxy kind of sound, which um, I, I might be I put on the uh, put on the, <laughs> on the you know, I might be putting the Iron Maiden for saying this, but uh, <laughs> I think kind of maybe anticipates the anti folk movement or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's cool. Go ahead. It's very early. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, you can tell that they haven't played together for very long because they're, they're still getting to getting their feel for their harmonies and stuff. They're not off. They're not horrible. No, no, definitely not. Uh, the but they're not spot on like they will be later on. Yeah, it's a very loose. I mean, the whole recording is very loosey-goosey and, and very, you know, it's unpolished. Um, there's a certain charm that comes with that. And it's interesting because you can hear little little glimmers of what's to come. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting. To me, there's almost like a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young flavor to some of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but slightly less uh, less serious, I guess. Well, and I actually heard um, um, when, the first, when, it, when it starts up with Roadrunner, I hear a lot yeah. of Everly Brothers yeah. in that. Yeah. Like that, I that sounds like that. an Everly Brothers song. Yeah. The harmonies. Legitimately. The guitar, yeah. And... Um, you know, I got to say, like those those harms are tight throughout the whole thing. But yeah, um, I was really impressed when this track started, and I was like, "Holy!" God. And yeah, it's a fun little song about literally the Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. But <laughs> it's a fun song. It's, it just sounds great. Yeah, I think anyone who listened to this, I can totally understand Tracy. Where you were saying, uh, what was the band that they, they were opening for eventually? Corky and the Juice Pigs. Corky and the Juice Pigs, that's right. They were I the band totally... that actually opened for, that did a lot of the music for Mad TV the first okay. two seasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I can see, like, what they heard. You you hear a lot of potential in this. I mean, it's, it's definitely, there's a lot of decent stuff here already. But, like, you can hear the seeds of, of what's to come. And you can just tell the chemistry between Steve and Ed is there. It's evident mm -hmm. from the beginning. And uh, one of the things I love most about this was how much fun they're just obviously having. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's infectious. It is. And even though it doesn't sound quote-unquote professional, there are times that it breaks down. They, they recover, and they're having fun. <laughs> like, you, you laugh along with them, and you enjoy it, mm -hmm. no matter how many times you're listening to it. Um, I'm on my, like, fourth time this week already, just because it is a whole, you know, 45-minute thing to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, 
for it because the, the version I think we listened to was their fourth edition, um, <clears throat> which ends up covering I would I want to say fourteen songs. Um, Sounds about right. So the second edition only had thirteen songs, and the, which counts the five second outro track that we <laughs> talked about tonight. The, which I, it's interesting that they did that that they're trying to cover this five seconds in the tape most people would leave that five seconds blank. Like, okay, end of tape, no big deal. <laughs> I love the fact that they're like, let's fill it with something. Let's do something fun here. <laughs> and that's that's a staple of them. I mean, even in the early days with their albums, there was always that hidden playfulness. Like, here's what we do behind the scenes. It started from the beginning. I mean, that's yeah. B&L. We're just, we're having fun. We're doing this for fun. And, my, um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Tiff. Sorry. No, go ahead. That's fine. Yeah. No, no, you please continue. No, I was going to say, I mean, that just, it, it, we got to see what we hear at the end of Gordon and what we hear at the end yeah. of a lot of albums, you know, Agreed. right from the start, that's who they were. I mean, they mm-hmm. were just having a good time, throwing out jokes, you know, if they, if things weren't quite right, they would rebound. And, um, and that's, you really hear that in this album. Like I absolutely had a blast listening to this demo. Yeah. Um, fun is a word that I would use to describe it. Definitely. And there's songs that you get on this album that you're not going to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly the first time I've heard a lot of these. Uh, one note about the the ending, uh, uh, <laughs> ending with you know how's the level. I think I've referenced in previous episodes how the Beatles used to make the the uh, the loop groove because mm-hmm. because at the end of a record, a lot of record players will now will pick up and just just go off. But like older record players would just stay in the loop at the very end, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. final groove they just keep playing over and over. So the Beatles used to make a little like loopable kind of five second like just ditty and it would just keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing at the end so i feel like this is kind of um a homage idea here. yeah mm-hmm. and i could th- see them doing that as an homage oh, yeah. to the beatles yeah they i mean it it's so hard to be like you know uh i feel like ev- everyone who's making rock music to a certain extent uh owes something to the Beatles, so it's hard. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> That's a gimmick, because the Beatles did so many different things. Like, it, everything spreads out from them yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, well, they, so, showed that. they showed that in the first album with uh, Yoko, you know, so... It's, yeah, there's a Beatles right. reference there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, some songs that you get on here that are very different versions <laughs> are King of Bedside Manor, Be yep. My Yoko Ono, Great Million Provider. Dollars, and Great Provider. It's interesting because they're, let's talk about those four. They're definitely early versions of the band. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I would say that all, if you had to pick the songs on this album that were the weakest songs, the ones that they end up taking and making great songs out of are the weaker songs on this album, I think. I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, would you be cool with me going down these really quick and just kind of talking about them? So uh, I, I knew very few of these songs prior. I knew like Be My Yoko Ono, If I Had a Million Dollars, The Great Provider. But most of these I hadn't heard before. You know, and a lot of these you, you don't hear anywhere else anyways. But like, um, it's interesting to me that they had a song called Trouble with Tracy. <laughs> Why? Why haven't we named a segment Trouble with Tracy yet? Come on. We can... <laughs> totally stole my joke we're, there. We're and I was sitting, gonna... <laughs> sitting on a gold mine here. <laughs> I feel like, Tracy, you need to find something you don't like about every song that we do, and that can be the Trouble with Tracy 
Second. All right. All right. We're he going, never, we're he going never with seems it. to do what he's told. <laughs> Here, here's the trouble with Tracy for this song. Okay, please. It's too short. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like this song, and I really wish it went much longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I like their songs like Hello City that tell a story, and that's that's one of them. So that I, I could definitely see that being a little longer and kind of going more into what's going on there. It, it tantalizes you, but it's not, not, it leaves you wanting more. I love um, those uh, moaning uh, harmonies from Ed. Yeah, yeah. Like there's the some really little, nice but yeah, really really nice little uh, sound things they do vocally in that song that I just loved. Mm-hmm. I think oh, I meant how's the level? That's the song. Ah. <laughs> oh, oh, you wanted more. more I wanted sound, more. More sound check. More cowbell. <laughs> I could have used more cowbell, be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I think my favorite of the tunes uh, probably is Great Provider. Shocking. Mm-hmm. I know that Agreed. Aaron likes the sad sounding song in a minor <laughs> yeah. key. Who would well, have I, t- I totally agree with you on that one, actually. <laughs> I really like this version of Great Provider. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it kind of reminded me not to go back to the Beatles too much, but it kind of reminded me of like Working Class Hero by John Lennon or something like that. You know what I mean? There's something in that minor key that just really speaks to me. And uh, it's, it's so stark with just the acoustic <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one, actually. That was one of my, that was one of the standout tunes for me. And that guitar riff at the end. Yeah. That was oh, yeah. so, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. But I have uh, to say, like, those four songs, that's where I missed the four guys. That's, mm-hmm. those were the yeah. spots where I was oh, like, yeah. oh, well, again, I mean, you, the other three guys, hear, sorry, not four. You hear the, you hear the, the basis for what is to come. Um, how young were they when they recorded this, Tracy? They must have been. 19 yeah. and I want to say 18? 18 or, yeah, 19, 20. Pretty young. Um, but they're already making great music together. And, oh, yeah. And they blend so well. I mean, they, they, it must have been a thing where you could – I've played before with many different bands, you know, just from different college groups and stuff like that, and then a few other bands that I've been in. And you can tell when things click – there's just this kind of magic that occurs. And you, they must have just immediately, when they started playing together, knew, like, this is a, a great... And that, to this day, this is why I wish... Uh, I still I still hope, still hold out hope for a reunion with Stephen Page and, and maybe a new album. But, you know, who knows? Um, but anyways, anyways. Uh, let's see, where did I leave? A great provider. Yeah, I love that song. Um, when I came across Make My Heart Fly, I recognized... Mm that folksy strumming pattern from How's the Level. So I'm not sure if they were doing a sound check for that song or just, you know, they were kind of just getting ready. Uh, but that's a very similar strumming pattern there. Uh, it was you know where that to, song comes from, right? Uh, my that's heart, a cover. My that's a cover. That's a cover. That? Who was that originally, but That is a cover by the pretend, uh, not the pretenders, the proclaimers. <laughs> oh my God, are you <laughs> From the proclaimers, really? Are you serious, dude? Because when you said the pretenders, I was like, oh, it's too bad, it's not the proclaimers, but then you said the proclaimers. So 500 miles, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. They, they, they the are greatest. a big proclaimers fan. Wow, that's amazing. I, I, think, I think 500 miles is the only song I know by the proclaimers, but my entire family, if you put enough alcohol in us, uh, <laughs> We, we bust that out karaoke every time. Like, that is, that's a classic, you know? Definitely yeah. check out their catalog. I would yeah. highly recommend Proclaimers. Yeah, they no, are I'll, fantastic. Like, I'm all about that Scottish indie rock. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the really great thing about that. the Proclaimers that you don't get anywhere else is they do harmonies like no other yeah, band I've ever heard. they do have yeah. really yeah. tight harmonies. It's true. It's yeah. true. So I can see the influence there, potentially. That's cool. I didn't know that was a Proclaimers tune. I'll have to check it out. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, s similar um, strumming pattern to the level. Uh, it was interesting to hear "You Can Be My Yoko Ono" that unpolished and raw. It's yeah. still it's still a great song. It sounds way more folksy, and I can almost close my eyes and imagine these two playing this up on stage at like an open mic at a bar. And how cool might that have been? Because I'm sure they did that at some point. Um, yeah. There is definitely like a charm to the amateurish quality of the sound recording, but it's not exactly Steve Albini, you know, like it, <laughs> um, if I were going to listen to Be My Yoko Ono, I'll be honest, I'm probably going to go to the Gordon version. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, it is interesting to hear hear the origins of that. Or I also really like the um, the version they did for the uh, the Toronto video booth thing. Oh, what yeah. It called again? Um, oh, of course, now you're going to ask me because I'm gone. <laughs> Put you on the spot. It was like, hello, <clears throat> Toronto, or something like that. I'm thinking, hello, city. But <laughs> It'll come back to me in a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that was interesting. Uh, when I saw Psycho Killer in the track listing, I was wondering if it was going to be a cover of the song by Talking Heads. Mm -hmm. I was pleased that A, it was, and B, it was actually a pretty decent cover. Uh, they made it their own, you know, the feel's totally different, and uh, I like it. Definitely, you know, to me, when I, when I, I don't know, <laughs> when I hear that song, I think of my friends in Quebec just because of the Casse. so it's interesting to me that a Canadian band covered it and uh, and did a really good job with it, really. Uh, it was interesting. I like I that <laughs> Until they messed up the lyrics, but they well, had fun with yeah, it. Well. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, there, there's this fun quality. They're just having fun and playing music, and it's very infectious. Um, well, I love the fact that, like, so this is a tape. They obviously did a couple different takes of this. I mean, yeah. we know that they did because they did more than one version of mm -hmm. this. So they could have mm -hmm. gone back. Every, but they're like, no, we're having fun. Let's just keep it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've kind of commented before on, I've lamented the uh, popularity of auto-tune in our society and things like that. And so many, you know, I, I hear people talking about, like, I don't know, it's kind of really getting off on a tangent here, but um, maybe it's the Scotch shocking, but uh, um, <laughs> I, I hear people be like, oh, Kurt Cobain was a terrible vocalist, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't know, man, I, I listen to Nirvana and when I hear his voice crack and things like that, there's so much emotion in that. It, there, there's more to singing well than just matching pitch perfectly. Right. Yes, and and there's something in this album which is you can just hear the smiles on their faces, and it's like, oh yeah. man, I wish I were there with them when they were playing it. It just seems like they're having such a good time. It makes me smile. So it's it's really cool. There's something really cool about this this uh, this tape. I have to agree. I can understand the uh, the nostalgic appeal. Um, it might seem strange, but I would really love to hear B and L from this era cover Planet Caravan by Black Sabbath. Maybe it's the bongos that are making me feel that way, but I would love to hear between that, you know, and uh, and the uh, uh, the minor key of Great Provider is, oh man, there's something there. I could feel them, them covering that being really good. Uh, if I had a million dollars, it's interesting. Uh, it's a more or less the same song, but I don't like it nearly as much. Uh, it's, not, it's not just the unpolished recording. I, I think they made it a lot more fun over the years. Like yeah. the haven't you always wanted a monkey line is way more fun in the Gordon recording. Uh, and of course, but not a real green dress. That's cruel. Uh, I'm guessing the former was something added, at, at, you know, in rehearsal, just having fun. They're like, Oh, that's really funny. You should always do it that way. Right. The latter maybe was like a malapropism or like a mistake. And then once they, they made it, they liked it so much because I can tell you, how many times I have like uh, messed up lyrics or like done the lyrics from the last 
verse. So I could see them being like, but not a real green dress. <laughs> That's cruel. And then they could laugh and be like, oh, you should always do that. That's hilarious. So like, um, it's kind of interesting to see how these songs have grown and changed. Um, this version also lacks a lot of the post-chorus chatter that makes the yeah. studio version so endearing. There is some, but like the Dijon ketchups and, and such really mm -hmm. made the song what it is, in my opinion. Just my hot take. Um, I will say this, in, in as much as like post-song chatter and like just the, the little kind of realisms that are shared, I love Steve's stupid laugh at the end of A Message to You, Rudy. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I had to do the stupid laugh. I had to do the stupid laugh, just right? made me, That made me laugh so yeah. hard. <laughs> the, uh, the super cheesy Casio keyboard in Wishing Well would not sound yes. out of place on a modern indie rock album. So maybe they were even more ahead of the curve than we would have thought. Well, and they could have done guitar. <laughs> They've done guitar during the rest of the album. Yeah. They could have done drums and stuff. They were going... No, let's do this. Let's do the really fake synth drums, <laughs> right? And let's do the keyboard yeah. and like it let's go over the top. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like because if you listen to Wishing Well, the original version, yeah. it does sound yeah. very much like a person that is just having a keyboard playing in the background. Mm -hmm. I almost think, in some ways, this is them making a comment about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the whole the whole the whole tape is of course very amateur in a way that even like super indie self-recording artists these days would probably not be thanks to digital tools and production gloss. But this combined with the unrestrained enthusiasm and just the very evident amount of fun they're having on this recording, like I said, is super infectious, super charming. Um Careless is, of course, uh, the one song, at least in the version that appears on this album, from Buck Naked that I haven't heard, pardon me, that I have heard before. Um, right. And I, I still don't love it, but I don't hate it. It's a cute song with a playful feel. It's not a bad track to end this tape on, given the overall feel of the album, although I guess technically they ended on House the Little. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ultimately, I think they chose the right songs to go on Gordon. You know, if anything, like this just shows like they, they were totally dead on with like, I would have picked the same songs to go on there and develop in the way that they did. Um, I haven't yet heard the Gordon version of King of Bedside Manor. So I'm really looking forward <laughs> to seeing if I like that more. And I'm wondering how this will impact my reception of it. A little bit you now. will find, I won't, I won't give a lot of it away. You will find it's a very, very different recording. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure. If you listen to the original and then you come back to this, you can definitely feel everything that's missing. Um, There's something very big missing from the Gordon version okay. on the demo. <laughs> I'm very well, yeah, curious. I don't know if it's big, Well, I was curious if they were going to do, and I don't know if I can spoil it for Aaron, but I was curious <laughs> in the demo if they were going to do the Mr. Bottle break. Oh, that yeah. Oh, I'm very curious now. <laughs> I thought I thought curious. you meant I thought you meant the fact that it was the it was the naked track. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, was it? Was it? it did, was. They start, did they start that with Buck Naked? I didn't realize that. Yeah. And, wow. Well, no, that was it was the naked track for oh, on, Gordon. Gordon, I got you. Yeah. Um, and it gives it a completely different level. <laughs> and the reason they did that, we'll come back to it when we cover King of Bedside Manor again, yeah. was because they felt like they weren't getting what they wanted out of that song and they couldn't figure out why and they couldn't fix it. And as apparently soon nobody as... asked how's the level, I guess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Turn up my snare. <laughs> Although they did the naked track, so maybe they were asking how long. <laughs> 
no, no. No. Uh, but yeah, so that's why they did the naked track was Jim was like, well, why don't we just why don't we just all get naked and do this track? And they did, that and Jim that's suggested? what happened, was they came up with this completely different version of King of Bedside Manor that they ever had played before. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to come back to that one because I really love that song. Well, I've exhausted my notes, so I, I feel like I've spoken <laughs> enough. Jeff, if you want to, if you want to take the floor here. All right. Um, actually, you said a lot of the same things I was going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, like I mentioned, listening to this, I had a lot of fun. Um, this was a great find. It was, it was yeah. hearing the boys um, give us what we were going to get a lot of, and just having a good time and having fun. <clears throat> um, like I said, when when Roadrunner started, it to me felt like an Everly Brothers song. Yeah, the harmonies, yeah. the feel, the music, um, just these two guys were meshing from the start. Um, the, the the four tracks that they would later do, um, I agree that Great Provider was the one that I think maybe I like this version better. And I'm a maybe you should drive fan. Uh, yeah. That's my favorite Running <laughs> Ladies album, and uh, which is interesting that 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 song didn't make it to Gordon, but it waited <laughs> but um yeah i do love uh, i love the echo vocals on great provider yeah. I love, like a tour yeah. at the end it's just it's raw it's haunting it's the way the song i think should sound yeah um like you mentioned there's just something about hearing an artist perform a song that you know means something to them yeah. in a very raw way you talked about you talked about kurt cobain and i had the yeah. uh, the four the four disc box set of nirvana oh, and God, i had yeah. some demos on so. there from kurt yeah and uh, just hearing him, basically, you couldn't imagine sitting in a room just drumming, um, you know, heart-shaped box or, or uh, you know, one of his demos. Um, there's just something about that that, uh, you know. Haunting, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, it works here. Um, yeah, I almost feel like um, <laughs> I got almost like a The Flag kind of feel from, yeah, from that recording. Right, yeah, Ray so, Provider. And that's another song that works that way too. I mean, don't polish up the flag. It sounds great the way it is. It's, it's right. you know, um, but yeah, like King, King of Bedside Manor, I think sounds good on this. Um, it's not, not the Gordon version. I love the breaks that I love the fact that it slips into the Mr. Roboto and, um, uh, but I love that starting though. The uh, excuse me, haven't we met? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I love the starting. Why did they ever get so, rid of that? Yeah, that that, that, that should have stayed. Yeah, that should have stayed there. That was that was great. Uh, night photographs was an interesting one. Um, yeah, I, you know really? what's interesting is last week in Stevens' concert, he played that one. Did he? Yeah, I would have liked to have heard that because the one grape I have about this demo is that song I found really hard to hear the lyrics to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was really hard to, without having lyrics in front of you, but. Um, they're, but not yeah, that, I mean, they're not that deep. <laughs> they're not, but I know, no, but it's. Um, they're very it, tongue in cheek. Like. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's B&L. They're B&L lyrics. <laughs> are, they deeper, are they deeper than how's the level okay? No, nothing's deeper than that. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the deepest lyrics in the whole album that, right there. That was their stairway to heaven, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was their hedgerow. And <laughs> um, yeah, when I was listening to this, though, when I got the B. Mayoko, oh, oh, oh no, my note actually, I actually wrote down the word weird. 
because uh, <laughs> it does, it um it yeah I could like like Aaron said I could see that being the version they would get up in, a, in an open mic and they would do um <clears throat> together but it's um it's I definitely prefer the prefer the Gordon version. It's missing that. something. Yeah. I, miss, I miss like the oh, oh, oh yeah. you know and yeah. everything and um. They don't even say "Don't blame it on Yoki," which is <laughs> <laughs> that was added later. But, yes. Um, Psycho Killer for me was a highlight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it was. <laughs> I'm a huge Talking Heads fan, and I said, "What are they gonna do with this song?" And when those harmonies kick in on the chorus, um, yeah, that was I, something new. Fa, I like, fa, yeah. Fa, 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 yeah, and they're harmonizing to that. I was like, "Oh, nice that addition." Is, yeah, really, really, really awesome, and. Uh, they got playful in the second verse, which I liked. Um, I love the way Ed says the line, uh, I hate people when they're not polite. <laughs> really. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, obviously at the end it gets a little bit weird when you're obviously struggling with the lyrics and where they're going to go with and everything. But there again, that's organic. That's, you know. Um, but yeah, to me, that was a highlight. Um, <clears throat> I think for if I had a million dollars, my notes said basically, yeah, it's if I had a million dollars. It's <laughs> there's there's not too much you could do with that except add and add and add. And like Aaron said, some of the jokes and the playfulness that will come later. Um, haven't you always wanted a monkey? Like right. anyone who knows being out or know that song, that's how they're gonna sing that line. So not hearing it like that was a little Yeah, it felt wrong. <laughs> it felt wrong, yeah. yeah. Well, they um, haven't gotten into their banter yet. Like right, they haven't right. done any live live shows i think well and that's, and that's fair that's fair they were they weren't there yet but i mean if if i had heard this version i would have laughed i would have chuckled and everything but this is one of those cases where knowing the studio oh. version definitely it's like no. i really liked rudy it's lyrically not profound it's not the later biting um witty bnl lyrics um but that is a fun song and like i said <laughs> i was so happy when i was listening to this because uh, uh as i mentioned i've been uh um, learning to play guitar to play my own music because I have a lot of I've, I wrote uh, uh, a whole bunch of originals lately recently and I don't I was gonna do the old route with the parodies and I was gonna plan on you know going to my producer and and doing tracks but there was something in the back of my head that said no at some point you've got to learn the instrument you've got to play your stuff and I know it's gonna take a while I know nobody learns guitar in a day or a month or a year and but I've been an hour, two hours, sometimes three hours a night um, playing guitar. That's why I've been taking a break from, you know, new stuff. Um, but when I was listening yeah. to this song, right off the bat, I was like, that's the same chord progression as uh, Be My Yoko Ono. And just <laughs> kind of the things that I'm starting to hear now as I've been doing it, I'm like, I, I could probably play that. You know, I, I think I know those four chords, maybe. And I don't know if, if that's in my repertoire. As long as it doesn't have F, because I can't play F yet. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and that's wishing. something that we haven't mentioned yet that that's i think important to to bring up not the f part um the <laughs> <laughs> not the f we don't have they have a lot of covers on here they don't do any covers on their actual releases right um but they have one so we have roadrunner wishing well psycho killer make my heart fly and a message to you ruby ruby mm -hmm. Um, all Wait, on... is, is, is Rudy a cover? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a cover. Uh, well, when we come to that song, we'll we'll talk about who wrote it. But yeah, it is a cover. Oh, okay. A very well, a very unknown cover. It's not a very well known song, um, but definitely less a cover. less known than the Proclaimers, I guess. And I guess you could even say 
really don't know is a cover. So I wanted to bring that up. Really don't know. This is the only time that we hear this song is the song that brought Ed and Steve together. Really don't know is the song that Ed, or sorry, that Steven wrote with Gary Poonset for the band, their band mm. Scary Movie Breakfast that then Ed heard that tape, listened to it over and over, loved it, sang, was walking around the Toronto music camp, singing it and doing the harmonies to that. Stephen overheard him and said, where did you hear that? And Ed was like, well, I heard this tape. And Stephen's like, well, I wrote that song. They harmonized and immediately clicked. This was the song that brought them together, wow, and we have nice. it on every version of this tape. And we never hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense if it wasn't technically a B&L song. I think they wanted to kind of start with, you know, collaborations and that kind of thing. So I guess I can kind of see that. We were left with uh, Wishing Well, which I, I love. I love the Terrence Trent Darby version. Um, great song, and I, and, I, and I love what they do with that. The falsettos on that song uh, from both Ed and Steve are, are fantastic. Um, I love that. I love that bass that Ed does towards the end. <laughs> um, and uh, just hearing, hearing, uh, hearing careless um, the way it is on here is great. And I, I, I always love that because um, just the, the play on words, because if you see the title, it's careless. And then if you hear the, you probably have already talked about this, but then when you actually hear the song, it's careless, you know, two, two actually completely different things. And I, I love that little play on words that they do there. Well, and they, they make a mistake in there, and I wish I could remember exactly what it is, and they continue with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they don't try to redo the song. They try, don't try. It's like they couldn't care less. It's like they're right. actually making yeah. a, a statement Basically, about themselves. Making a statement, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a guitar riff in there on the demo, though, that just kills. It shreds. I love it. Um, but yeah, and then um, how's the level? Um, you know, after hearing this this great demo for forty five minutes, you get to how's the level, and what a closer! <laughs> Man, way to bring it home. <laughs> I love that they close with that. It is the it's, it is the her, her Majesty's end yeah. to this album. It's a better closer than Have You Seen My Love. <laughs> <laughs> But not hidden sun. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I have at this point worn through all of the notes that I have about this tape. I just to kind of finish up, I really like this tape. It was a pleasure to listen to it over and over. Even though this album was made in their basement and it's been remastered. <sighs> You can see why people came to their shows. You can see the beginnings and the raw material that later would become a star band. It's just there. You can, you can hear the charisma. You can hear the fun they're having. You can see why they, why they would one day take off. Yeah, I mean, the talent's there. The, the, the chemistry is there. The, the harmonies are, are starting to form. Uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it uh, as a whole, you know, as an experience, the album, the tape is uh, is very listenable. Um, obviously not as polished as some of the later stuff, but it's cool <laughs> to see like where they came from and kind of see the trajectory they took. 
I could see putting, you know, tracks from this on my playlist, you know, on a driving playlist because yeah. there, there's like, you know, like we talked about, I know Aaron, Aaron talked about this too, but sometimes, you know, as much as you love the polished stuff, you love it when it's uh, studio produced and everything, there's just something about hearing um, certain things raw and organic and like Great Provider, for example, just love the way it sounds here. And, and it's just, it's, you know, I think every B&L fan, you know, one of the things we love about them is that they're playful and that they have fun doing what they're doing, you know, at least for, for a period of time they did. You really get to hear that because, you know, towards towards the end of Steve being in the band and everything, I know a lot of that didn't exist. So it's good to go back and see at one point, this is what the band was. Yeah. And I think what I like about this tape more than anything is I was expecting to go back and if you listen to the unmastered version of this, yes, this crackles, it, it sounds very distant and tinny. This remastered version is amazing. The people that, that did this, I'm going to post in the liner notes the process they went through to make this happen. They did an amazing job with remastering this and making it sound as well as they did. But taking that aside, this doesn't sound like a demo tape in a lot of ways. Uh, if you listen to Lilac Girl, if you listen to Roadrunner and, and Psycho Killer and trouble with tracy those don't sound like first times first drafts demo tape types music it sounds like these guys have been playing together for a couple of years mm -hmm. and have have time under their underneath them at this point and they don't and i think that's what's amazing about this yeah i think the only exception i would say to that would be um night photographs which is the, the only song that i felt <laughs> sounded like a demo yeah. Um, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's how bands get their start. And, and, you know, they, they, we, we love the demos. We love to hear the raw stuff. Um, it's a conversation I have with my wife all the time. And she, a lot of her artists are singer songwriter types, uh, you know, white guys with acoustic guitars, as Todd in the shadows would say. And, uh, you know, going back and hearing their early stuff, their demos, I mean, it's, it's what fans love to do. And, but yeah, even, even like you said, there's a lot of stuff on here because of the remaster that, doesn't sound like a demo per se so that being said we have to rank this thing yeah we, we ranked holly we jolly ranked? christmas are we ranking are we ranking we just have to rank level how, we have to rank how's the level how's how's the level it's okay. officially on there it has a name i mean we ranked third week in a row where i'm not giving is this the third week in a row where i'm not going to be giving one of my usual flowery high rankings <laughs> probably I'm, I'm on a weird stretch right now this is <laughs> <laughs> And I get home a high ranking. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how many, we're talking about house level. So we have to go with my favorite reference, of course, of all time. How many amp notches do you give this? And it doesn't go to 11. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. It only goes to 11. It does not go to 11. <laughs> well, we need that extra kick over the cliff. <laughs> Especially with this song, because we've got to be honest. How many amp notches are you going to give this song? This five-second song. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, I'm going to I'm going to uh, toss to you. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Put me in the hot seat. All right. I, I put oh. I put Jeff in the hot seat on the last. Well, yeah, I've had to go okay. first like two weeks in a row. <laughs> I, I have to preface this. I have to hedge here uh, <laughs> because because I will say this like. By giving this a low rating, I'm not saying that I wish it wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? 
I, I'm glad it's a thing. I'm glad it exists, like I said, as an artifact or as a, a little curio uh, on the album. I think it's a, it's a cute little tag to it. Actually, um, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, Aaron. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jeff, I think it was you last week that said this isn't a real song. Right. I for can't Holy, really Holy give it yeah. a, anything right. above a one. I, I felt think. that one should be reserved for the official actual a song. song so, a yes. real song yeah. above. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna readjust our ratings zero to one. Okay. <laughs> how many how many and I'm gonna readjust my, my number for last well, week. Holly Jolly Christmas now drops down. Again, <laughs> it is going to drop down because we're reassessing, <laughs> and I will I will give it when we get to me. But anyways, Aaron, you were saying so can zero I, can to I, one. How many amp notches do you give this? Can I say something real quick because Aaron wasn't on last week? I, I have to point this out. Um, <laughs> I actually have it in my notes. I wrote down the date last on last week's show. Uh, Aaron actually was going to give Holy Jolly Christmas a ranking above one. And I think I maybe have convinced him to drop it below. That so was I'm me. Like, <laughs> that, that was me. Aaron wasn't here. Yeah, no, that's what I said. You, Tracy. Yeah, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that makes me feel a little better about this. Because, <laughs> <laughs> again, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. That, and, I, again, I am glad it exists. It, but, like, as a song – by the criteria that I try and judge these, like, would I go and seek this out? I can't really say that I would. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I'll, put it, I'll put it this way. I'm listening to this tape. I'm not going to stop it before just because I don't want to listen to it. Right. Like, like, that would be a zero. Like, like, oh, God, no, I can't. You know, if it was just like a 130 decibel uh, scream uh, of, or whatever, uh, maybe <laughs> I would stop it. I don't want to hear that. I want to leave my eardrums intact. So that would be a zero. Um, it's not a song. <laughs> it's a sound check. <laughs> I like it. It's cool that it's in the end of the album, but it's not really a song. It's not something I would ever seek out. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a quarter of an amp notch. We'll give it 0.25 amp notches, you know, and that's, you know, okay. Like I said, I think that that quarter of a notch is just for the, uh, the kind of like, I think it's it's as high as it is, if you will, just because like it fits in with kind of the the unpolished nature of the album. It's a nice little tag at the end, so I will give it a quarter notch for that. It'll be interesting to see what you give Holly Jolly Christmas then. All oh, right, much, much lower. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, let's toss over to you. What do well, you give this song? Using the criteria, like we said last week, it's not a song. It's not a. It's not a studio song it's not a real song it's not a song at all um so definitely like i said that would not it would have to be within that zero one ranking i'm not going to rank it as high as holly joey christmas because that was that was tyler singing you know um having a good time having a blast um this isn't even that it's 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 you know four <laughs> chords it's steven asking a question um yeah what i what i turn it off at the end of careless uh you know um no but it's it's fun to hear it but it's nowhere near the playful banter that we would get later. Um, I, you know, I can't, I can't rank this high. I got to say, yes, is a fun. It's there. Um, but I've, I've got to say, I got to say 0.1 notches on the amp. All right. 0.1 notch on the amp. 0.1 notch. Okay. All right. Notches. All right. Not, not, notches. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm struggling with this because musically, this is better than Holly Jolly. 
when it comes down to it, Holly Jolly, even though it's it's just synth and synth drum, it's at like this is at least a well sounding, well tuned guitar, and the tune itself is although it's only five seconds long, it's actually engaging and entertaining. On the other side, you're right. Steven doesn't sing. <laughs> He's doing a sound check. <laughs> and as much fun as we have had with it, there's nobody singing in this this week. Um, I'm going to have to go with a 0. 0.5. Whoa. And I will, I will also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop the one from last week, though, to a 0. 0.6. I'm going to drop Holly Jolly down to a 0. 0.6. What did I give it, a 0. 0.9? Oh, oh, now you're asking oh. me to bring it up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm making you reach it. <laughs> <laughs> am, am I going to be the one, the only one who rates Holly Jolly Christmas lower than that was the level? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I struggled with that, Aaron. I, <laughs> I really did. I, I was wondering was whether tough. I should. <laughs> yeah, um, somehow we managed to talk about it for 45 minutes. I, I, think <laughs> it's, I think it's because it's a Christmas song. It's the final nail well, of the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Do we have other not a songs in the agenda? Not off the top of my head right stuff. now. I'm sure there's something. <laughs> <laughs> However, I, I it depends on think... how you define some of the song <laughs> songs that are on the Bare Naked Holiday album. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually think uh, now that we're talking about it, and now that you know <laughs> clarity, I think I'm going to lower my ranking for Holly Jolly. Oh, too. Okay. okay. Oh, um, okay. not quite as low because, uh, like I said, it is it is fun to hear Tyler not technically just, a song. <laughs> yeah, not technically a song, right? Um, I'm going to give it a point seven. I'm point seven. Okay. <laughs> Boy, we have really dropped that. What is now below and, a point. <laughs> With everyone average, that is now below a point until Aaron does whatever he does. But wasn't there a ranking above one still last week? <laughs> there was one above a one, yes. It can only go down from here, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what Aaron says when I edited it in. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, um, I do have an appearance for this week. Actually, before we get to appearances, I want to give us the breakdown. I think we're a little over a third of the way through the podcast at this point. Wow. Um, depending upon any other releases that BNL puts that, out between that now That double and album they're going to put out in a month. Yeah. Well, now that they're, now that they're sequestered and, and quarantined in their spaces, that single album might expand <laughs> significantly. And it's got notebooks <laughs> and notebooks of pages of lyrics. Aaron, I broke down based on what we have so far, okay. what our favorite albums are. Would you like to guess what, based on the numbers that we have right now, what your favorite album is? My favorite album so far, it's either going to be Stunt or Maroon. Okay. Actually, the number one doesn't even come close to the, the other Gordon. ones. It is Gordon yeah, by a long shot. Oh, yeah. Brian, Brian Wilson, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I will say this also, though. I feel like there's a lot of bees on that album. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Wilson, be my Yoko Ono, blame it on me. Yeah, right. there are. <laughs> oh, so, just wait till we get to more of the Maybe You Should Drive songs. Break <laughs> that out. <laughs> I love Maybe You Should so, Drive, what I've heard so far. I love Stunt, love Maroon. So, like, so your number two, Maybe yeah. You Should Drive. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Okay. And number three, Stunt. Yeah. 
Now, I had Where's to redo some of the, thank God that we're late on recording tonight. I actually did to redo some of the numbers because when I crunched the numbers, it counted in the songs that are not actually on the album, but were written for the album and added as extras. Okay. So I cut them out. If they were not on the album proper, they are gone in this analysis. Okay. In doing that, Silverball went from second to last place all the way up to ninth place. And okay. just cutting out count back on and falling down. Or count da- counting down and fall back fall on. Back on. Yeah. <laughs> I got the words mixed up. There's there. Um, that being said, do you have a guess of what your least favorite album is? Well, I was going to say Silverball, but now I'm going to say Grinning Streak. You're close. That is your second least favorite. Your least favorite is Snack Time by a long oh, shot. Obviously. Well, oh, I wasn't even oh. considering that a real album. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say that some of these albums have not had much representation so far. True. So, for example, Stunt has only had two songs so far. So, where well, it has my favorite song thus far on it, which is why I thought it would be yeah. higher. But I guess that's, that's <laughs> it's, it's right up there. Um, the other thing that needs to be said is that Grinning Streak, we actually have a pretty fair comparison on so far because we have nine out of the 15 songs already done for that one. Wow. So I don't know if our rankings are going to change that much on Grinning Streak. And it is second to last for yours, you right now, my friend. Is that uh, is Grinning Streak, was Bank Job on Grinning Streak? No, that is, that is our me. Okay. That's why. <laughs> Which like is right the, like square in the middle. Yeah. Okay, that, that seems about right. Well, let's see what happens when I go back and add my rankings. And all yeah, the new funny. stuff is at the bottom for you. The bottom four, <laughs> other than snack time, the bottom four are the, are the new ones. I mean, yeah, based on what I've heard so far, that, that seems to align. You know, again, again, there's a lot of newer songs that are really, really good. I don't mean to imply that there's not good songs on there. Well, that's the other thing is your lowest album. Your lowest album. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you there. Aside from Snack Time. (laughs) Your lowest album, Counting Snack Time, is still a 2.78. Yeah, that's really good, right? And a two and a half is an okay song. That's that's, right. That says a lot. So that that does say a lot. Um, So for me, of course... I, I guessed this ahead of time. No surprise. Gordon is number one. Yeah. Yeah. Like way up there at the top. Now you said snack time. It's actually on my bottom four. Is it really? Okay. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I was just teasing you, but. <laughs> but number two did not surprise me. Actually, number two surprised me a little bit. I was going to say it was stunned. It was not stunned. It was maroon. Oh, maroon. Okay. Mm. Well, maroon's really good. And really throwing me for yeah. a loop, I never saw this coming in a million years, is Born on a Pirate Ship. There's um, a lot of good stuff on Pirate Ship. I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Is uh, Call Me call me Calmly on it is. Born on a Pirate it Ship? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think break, that one break, brought up the average a little bit. Break Your Hearts on Pirate Ship, yeah. too. Ah, uh, that, yeah. 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 That, you know what's interesting? I, I think I already raised my, my rating on Break Your Heart. But recently, uh, I was with Tracy at a, at a live show by Stephen Page online, a coronavirus stream. 
if you will. And uh, he did an amazing rendition of that. And I kind of feel like I'm going to raise my rating for that song yeah. again. again come this <laughs> I, I still think Before I hear it's one of his best it. performances. It's, it's That's, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It is a gorgeous, especially when it's done live. Like, yeah, right. live is how that song is meant to be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Reminded me of um, Joe Cocker's what would you do if I sang at a team? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a little yeah. help from my yeah. friends. <laughs> Especially at the end when he just starts belting. Yeah, it just goes for yeah, it. It's great. It's great. Now, my lowest one, and this should go without saying, is Silverball. It's been now mathematically proven so far, at least, <laughs> in, the top thir- in the first third. Silverball is my lowest album so Since far. Since he was a young boy, Tracy hated Silverball. <laughs> Now, I did have one surprise that came out of this. Stunt was my number five album. I would have figured it would be higher, yeah. yeah. I know, and I'm trying to figure out, like, what happened there that <laughs> it is not higher. What has um, been covered? I don't have a track list. Because what has been covered from Stunt? Something's Uh-oh. wrong with my numbers, because Call and Answer, I gave a 4.8, and Alcohol, I gave a 5. Something's wrong with my numbers because that should be up at the very top given those two numbers because we've only covered two off from stunts so yeah. far. Um, yeah, that seems wrong. Yeah, something's mm-hmm. wrong there because that sh- and actually yours should be stunt should be the top one yours as well right now. So something happened with that one. I don't know what happened with the numbers on that one. But other than that, the other ones were all correct. I checked it three times. Um, so I'm not sure what happened with stunt. Oh, I see what happened with Stunt. Yeah, so Stunt, done stunt should be stunt. much higher. We haven't done many of Stunt, but mm-hmm. alcohol is probably my favorite B&L tune I've heard so far. So, Enid is really high up there. The flag is up there. Oh, there's so many good ones. Which pushes Gordon up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And what, a, what, a, what a good boy is on Gordon, too. And that's one yeah, of yeah. Favorite, Stunt yeah. Is, your number, is our number one for both of us off this album. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> But it only has two songs so far. Yeah. So really, that should have an asterisk next to it because <laughs> two out of 13 songs isn't really a good comparison. Right. So we may or may not agree with that, but we'll see down the road. Okay. And Jeff, we haven't had your numbers in there enough. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how Jeff's numbers make things. Yeah, so. I haven't done enough from the albums. I have done more uh, interviews since I've started. So. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what your numbers end up end up doing. Yeah. I will, I will go through and plug those in. I will work on that. Excellent. And somewhere around the half mark, depending on what BNL does that makes us shift that, <laughs> we will see and we'll redo that and, and give another analysis. Um, to do a quick, because it was an official song, there's an appearance. Um, there was an interview that they did recently where they talked about the yellow tape. So I'll put that in here, including the person that actually did the artwork for the yellow tape which is a really cool thing to hear them talking about that. You know, if you've been listening for the last few weeks, you know that I really, really messed up this next section. I forgot Holly Jolly Christmas off the list and then started recording my next week's sections without <laughs> realizing my mistake until about halfway through. And, but I'm, I'm just laughing at myself here because I figured I can either get really mad at myself or I can play around with the audio and make it sound really, really bad. Or I can just enjoy the humor of the situation. <laughs> and so that's the mm-hmm. song that we're discussing next week, is humor of the situation. All right. <laughs> so come back next week. Join us as we discuss a 
I'm not going to give away my feelings on this song, but as we discussed, humor of the situation. And thanks. That was fun. <laughs> thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.